0: example of what God does with the, with the things in our life that we want to get rid of. So um, if you would um, say, let's, when we're done here, um, just quickly go out there, find your children, um, get with them, and then uh, when all that's done, you can bring them back in and come back in immediately and get the kids that, that aren't out there. So thank you for um, working with us in that. We you have your Bibles on you. To open up to Exodus chapter number 24. <clears throat> um, as you're turning there, last week we started a series, a series on Joshua, and um, our pastor taught us about doing the dirty work. And how a lot of times whenever we get, we get put in positions and, and Joshua was given an assignment to where he had to go out and fight a battle, and it wasn't, the, it wasn't the, the, the big glorious job of sitting up on the hill praying for people, or praying over the situation. It was down there in the blood and the guts and all the mess going on. But how many of you know that when God was putting him in that place, God was setting him up for a, a great conquering future that he had in store for him that was coming up. You know, and, and that brought out a gifting in Joshua and showed that when day under the promised land, Joshua was going to be the one to help dominate that area and begin to overcome for the, for the things of God and for the for the Israelites to have an inheritance. So um, in that, know that whenever God is, when you feel like you're stuck doing the dirty work, you're stuck doing something that seems so, so, so futile. Or so, but if God's got you there, God's got you there for a purpose, and he's going to draw your giftings and callings out through you being faithful to him. And we're going to go a little further tonight and talk about finding glory through faithfulness. And this is talking about the next, um, the next event we're going to talk about in Joshua's life. And, and we didn't choose to start talking about Joshua in the promised land where he's already where he wanted to be and everything was good, and he was going to start having all these conquering and victories. There's a reason why Joshua was so successful when he got to the promised land it wasn't just because god put him there and god anointed him and said okay here you go go ahead and take go ahead and take over this whole place i promise you no joshua was faithful and joshua did a lot of things along the way that weren't aren't aren't, a lot of people really don't realize don't know about that put him in the place where god could use him powerfully in the situation he was in and so like we mentioned last week also there's a joshua generation that's rising up there's a generation that that god is speaking to a generation that hears his voice a generation that accepts his call and a generation that leads the church of today into all the promises of God. And so what, what, we want to encourage you in that. You don't got to be the older generation to, not, to be, not be in the Joshua generation. You don't got to be the younger generation to be the Joshua generation. You can be in the Joshua generation, whatever generation you're in right now. It takes, it takes you stepping in and finding out what being faithful is and how you find glory through that faithfulness. We're going to talk, talk about that tonight. You know, being, being faithful is, is, is simply you showing how serious you are about experiencing the glory of God. And so we're, we're, we'll discuss that here in a little bit. Now, Joshua had a legacy of faithfulness, and we'll start that here just a minute as soon as we get done reading the scripture. So Exodus chapter 24 and verse 12, and it says, "'The Lord said to Moses, "'Come up to me on the mountain and wait here, "'that I may give you the tablets of stone "'with the law and the commandment, "'which I have written on there, on there for their instruction.' "'So Moses rose with his assistant and Joshua, "'and Moses went up on the mountain of God. "'And he said to the elders, "'Wait here for us till we return to you. "'And behold, Aaron and her are with you. "'Whoever has a dispute, let, them go to him, let, let them, him go to them.' Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain, in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain, and Moses was high on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And so, what a lot of people don't realize, and this is something that that I I really didn't realize either, the first time Moses went up on the mountain and experienced God in all of his glory joshua was with him you know joshua wasn't mentioned joshua wasn't um was it wasn't the thing joshua wasn't necessarily called by god up there but joshua being in the position he was in moses saw fit to bring him up there with him and so what we've got to understand is when we're being faithful where we're at god is god is very content showing you his glory with you being faithful even though you may not be the quote-unquote head person god wants you to experience his glory by you being faithful in whatever, whatever position you're in so joshua was leading a leg was leaving a legacy of faithfulness. Now, as we know, Joshua was one of only two people who got to see the Israelites go all the way from captivity and inherit the promised land. Him and Caleb. There's the only two people that got, they got to go. And we know the, we know the story of how <clears throat> they, they went in and had a good report. And, um, and everybody else brought back a report that caused fear in the, in the land of Israel. And so because of that, that was one of, I don't think that's the only reason why, but that's, that's, that's the, the reason that sticks out in the word of why they were permitted to go in. Now, if you look at the historical records... Israel, the Israel entered the Promised Land in about 1422 BC. So, if Joshua lived to be 110, according to Joshua 24:29, it says he died. He died in 1372 BC. So, if you do the math, it means that Joshua he actually didn't just enter the Promised Land. He got to experience the inheritance that God had to set aside for him for 50 years. He didn't just break through and be there and say, "Okay, I'm done." No, he got to walk in the promises of God for 50 years in the Promised Land. Now, when you do the math backwards, that means he was 60 when he got there because um, because they were in the wilderness for 40 years. And then for twenty that means so it means he was twenty when they left when they left um, when they left Egypt. So they left Egypt, he's 20 years old, 40 years in the wilderness, and then he gets to experience 50 years of promise. So I like those numbers. The the, the bigger number is the number of promise, amen? Now, but, but here's something else, here's something else you need to realize. That with the first when 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 you look at the first when they first got to the edge of the promised land, when they went and sent the spies in, they'd only been in the wilderness two years. That means because of the report. They got turned back and had to walk around the wilderness for 38 years. And that means Joshua and Caleb, even though they believed and knew what the promise was, they stuck with the assignment of God that they didn't really necessarily feel like they should have had to stick with. They should have, you know, it could have been like, you know what, I'm going across anyway just because y'all don't believe. Y'all wandered around out right here. No, they stuck with the assignment that God had given them for 38 more years until all the stuff that was around them, all the stuff that, that didn't belong, all the, all the people that, that um, didn't believe, they needed die, that needed to fall away, all, the, all those things that God didn't see fit to bring in. They walked around with that for 38 years until, until the, God had a generation brought up to walk into the promised land. And so, when it seems like what you're doing drags on and on and on, and it seems like the people you're around and other people need to be around, but God's got you there for a reason, stick with your assignment because God will honor that promise. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but stick with that because God's got great plans to use you and bring you into that promise. But like Joshua and Caleb had to do, they had to sit there and help God's people stay around until, until the next generation rose up. But, but how many you know that two people got to see captivity, to wilderness, to promise. Got to see the whole thing all the way through. And how many of you want to be the kind of people that don't quit right there at the, nearly at the end, but they want to walk into the promise of God and see see you, see you all the way through into the, into the greater things. So um, Hebrews 6, verses 10 through 12 says, God is not unjust so as to overlook your work, there's a word nobody likes, and the love that you have shown for his name in serving all the saints, as you still do. And as we desire each one of you to, each one to, each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. Now, there's another word nobody likes, is patience. You know, patience are for doctors. That's what, you know, that's what I believe. Now, God honored Joshua's faithfulness by allowing him to experience his glory and the promises. Now, God is not calling you to start something that ends when you die. See, when Joshua took off from Israel, God wasn't calling any of the Israelites to stop in the wilderness, but because of, because of their lack of belief, because they weren't following God, because they weren't being obedient, they didn't get to experience the fullness of what God had promised. How many of us, got, we need to realize today that what God is starting in you, what God is building in you, he's building a legacy in you that's not supposed to quit when you leave this earth. He's starting something in you that when you, when you, when you go home someday, when, when God calls you home or when the rapture takes place, God has a work established in you that he began that whoever is left behind can, can step into and continue to walk on with. You know, when Moses led the Israelites out of, out of Egypt, he led them right to the door of the promised land, but he had established a nation that can continue to bring the glory of God into the earth. Now, Joshua the same way. God brought Joshua out. God brought him up to the promised land, brought him into the inheritance, and established the Israelites in the promised land. Why? And left something for the Israelite nation to, to continue on in. I want to be the kind of parent. I want to be the kind of, kind of, kind of leader that whenever, whenever my time here is done, the people that come behind me, whether it be my children or wh- whoever it is, they step into something that's already established. They're not having to go back to square one and start over, but they're able to pick up right where I left off. I'm not, I'm not going to be the kind of person that, that, that shrinks back, and says, I'm not going to enter in because it's not just about me. It's about me entering into that promise and establishing a legacy that people can step into and continue on with that, for, to continue the work of the Lord. God never, God never wanted us, like we said in the past, he never wanted us to get stuck in a moment. He wants to establish a movement. Right. A moment would end when you died. A moment would continue, continue far on. You know, we and all, we all know of the, some of the great leaders of the past. That just because they died, the movement kept going. You can think of Martin Luther King. You can think of Abraham Lincoln. Some of the things that were established that they started didn't just because, because something happened to them. The movement they started continued because, because they were being faithful to the call of God upon their life. <clears throat> now, God has a purpose for his glory. Notice this time, it was Joshua that got to go up on the mountain. Well, Aaron and, Aaron and her got to stay back. You know, and so I think in this situation... Aaron and her, you know, they didn't do the greatest job of leading because when they were confronted about making a calf for, for the Israelites, they, they kind of buckled and caved. But the, but the point of all this is how you steward or host, if you want to say it that way, the presence of God determines two things. The first thing it determines is the magnitude of the impact that the, this, the glory of God has upon your life, mentally, spiritually, and physically. So Joshua, if you'll read back, read back to chapter 20, he was willing to go, go up and approach, uh, go up on the mountain with God. Well, the rest of Israel, re, rest of Israel was not. The, remember in Joshua twenty, that's that, or, or in Exodus twenty, that's where the people were saying, Moses, you go up there for us because we don't want to go up there because we'll, we'll probably die. We're afraid to go in the presence of God. We don't want to experience it that way. So you, you go up there and t- tell us what God says and come back and tell us. Well, obviously Joshua wasn't one of those because when Moses said, "Come on," he's okay. Let's go up the mountain they went so because he was not one of those that wanted to shrink back and not experience the blessing of God and and be in the presence of God God honored that because he was willing to host God well he was willing to host the presence of God well he was willing to be in the presence of God and experience what God God had for him now when sin enters the presence of glory of God it dies this is what this is why the Israelites who were very very sin conscious were afraid to go in the presence of God why because they knew if they got there they probably weren't in a good place so they'd probably die now if God is calling you into something, He's not calling you there to kill you. That's what they didn't realize. God, if God is calling you into something deeper, it's not calling you into something deeper to tell you how bad you are. It's calling you into something deeper because He knows, "There's things in, in your life that will be removed when you get in His presence." I look, you, you look at the example of Jesus on the cross. Until Jesus said, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" and, and actually let, God actually had turned His back on the presence of God, had to remove the sin, could not land on Jesus to take it to hell. Be why? Because the presence of God was upon Him. You've got to realize that when you're in the presence of God, anything that's not of God cannot remain. And so we, we as believers have to get to a place where we stay so engulfed in the presence of God that we're not, we're not concerned with what's trying to get on us, that we're so in the presence of God it can't get on us. You know, we, we have this mindset that we have to try to not sin. When in actuality, if we we'll like we talked about a couple of Sunday mornings ago, if we'll practice righteousness, trying not to sin is not an issue. That's right. We've got this mindset that we're sinners trying not to sin. When the truth is, we're actually the children of God. Who, for practicing righteousness, sin's not a problem. But we have this mindset that I've got to go through every day. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. No, we are we are people who will carry the glory and the presence of God around. So why are we not practicing the things that we can do to manifest the glory and presence of God in our life? That's what we've got. That's what we've got to get to as believers. Now, this is also the first time that Joshua is mentioned as Moses, Moses' assistant. And so what we got to, what we see here is that God doesn't honor people necessarily. Because Aaron and her were already already in a, in a higher place, but God honors faithfulness. The Bible says in Galatians two six that um, God is no respecter of persons. God does God's not looking for the God is not looking necessarily at the vessel; He's looking at the faithfulness that is carried inside the vessel. And so we've got, we've got to we've got to realize that we can't claim to have faith if we're not faithful. If there's not a belief on the inside of us that is, is, is directing the way we live and is causing us to be faithful to God, if, it's, if there's not a belief on the inside of us, that belief called faith, in, in what we believe about God, if, that, if, that, if that's not on the inside of us causing us to live life a certain way and be faithful to host the presence of God well, then we can't say we, that we've got faith. If we have faith, we'll live differently. If we have a belief or a conviction about something, which is what faith is, faith is the established set of convictions in your life based upon the Word of God, that are established when you begin to read and, and hear it like the Bible says in Romans, when you, when you establish a faith there, if that faith is not there, if there's not something there to change the way you live, to change the way you operate, and, and live, live according to what you believe, then you really can't say that you have faith. So if there's not, not enough in there to make you change the way you live, then there's really enough in there at all to even call faith. Now, your faithfulness shown through obedience reveals how serious you are about seeing His glory. And it really comes, it really comes down to this, plain and simple. If you're serious enough about seeing the glory of God manifest in your life, you'll live in a way that's going to bring that about. You know, Joshua chose to be faithful to God because he was serious about seeing the presence of God remain in his life. He was serious about seeing God do what God wanted to do in, in, in Joshua's life. So the, the problem was not was not as Joshua trying, trying to stay out of the, out of the bad situation. No, Joshua was so serious about the presence of God that he, that he was going to live in a way that brought the presence of God about. And, and you can, um, we'll read about that here in just a second. Now... Promotion, like we just talked about, means added responsibility or weight. We don't like to look at it that way. We like to look at promotion as I get a better title and a better paycheck. Now, the reason they pay you more is because you got more that you're responsible over. Promotion, is all about when, you, when you've shown yourself faithful, God sees fit to put you in a place to where you can, where you can carry more. I mean, it's it's, it's really that simple. It's not, <coughs> excuse me, it's not, it's not so much about the fact that you've got all this, all this stuff that you you want to be over and you want you want to have this name about you know. Your promotion is about you being able to carry more so that you can be, have more glory on you to go in the presence of God more and then to host the presence of God. We've got to get to a place where we look at promotion as, as God being able to put more on us, not, not, not us trying to look better. Now, the second thing that stewarding and hosting the presence of God will bring about will cause is how quickly you experience that presence again. Now, let's, let's read about Joshua here in this, in, this, in, this next, in this next section. It says, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp far from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. I think it's outside the camp. You get that? All right. Now, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And then Moses and the Lord would speak with Moses. That's pretty awesome. Anyways, we'll, we'll get to that. And when, you all, and, and, when all saw, and when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing outside the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. That's not so awesome. We'll talk about that too. Now, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And here, here's the part about Joshua. When Moses turned again to camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So, if Moses was speaking to, if, was speaking to God face to face, but Joshua was there with him, guess who else saw God face to face? Joshua. Okay, help you out with that one. All right, now, here's what we've got to realize. The scripture right here puts great emphasis that the tent was outside, was outside of the camp. Here's the point with that. This is the same group of people that didn't want to go up in the presence of God because they're afraid they were going to die. So there are very, very few people who know how to host the presence of God well. There are very few people who actually know how to make God feel at home in their life who actually want to live a faithful lifestyle to where that God feels like he belongs there we've got to get to the we've got to get to the place to where we are so so caught up with seeing the presence of God manifest in our life that we that we had to change the way we live now on top of that there are very few people who want his presence at all they're content with seeing others experience him and it's something we see all the time in services you'll see people walk out and say Man, that was the most amazing service because so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that and so-and-so did this. And that's fine And We're glad you got to see that, but what did he do for you? I mean, are you content with watching everybody else get blessed and you just sit there and enjoy it? Are you content being a spectator? Or are you really serious about seeing the presence of God move in your life? You notice that the people, they, when they saw the pillar cloud land outside the tent of meeting, when Moses was there, then they all worshipped because they knew God was there. That's kind of backwards, isn't it? Shouldn't you be carrying the presence of God around so worship is just something that you do I mean why did it take Moses going over to the tent in a meeting for them to go oh cool God's there now we can worship because God's there you know it's, it's, kind, of a, it's kind of a backwards way of doing it but you see that so much even in the church today to where people are so content with, with watching one or two people or, or, or a few people get blessed you know but when it comes right down to it glory of God was there what, what, did, what did God do for you? What, did you what did you press into what did you get from the glory of God when it was available just because that's not a, what a p- specific altar call is about but you know the presence of God is here. Are you, are, you put, are you pressing into him or are you seeking him in those times when he's available? Or are, are you just content with letting somebody else be blessed and you enjoying, enjoying, enjoying the sights? Now, <coughs> here's what it comes down to. How we serve him on Monday through sun, Saturday has a lot of bearing upon how we experience him on Sunday. Now, let's, let's explain that. If we would all come into, all come into church on a Sunday morning... I'm kind of getting ahead my of myself here, but I'll, I'll, I'll back up. Knowing we were carrying the presence of God with us, rather than saying, God, here's your, here's your, here's your one-hour time slot. Bless me here. But if we came in after all week of hosting the presence of God well, seeing God move in our lives, seeing God do things through us and touch people, touch people through the presence of God that's on us, then Sunday morning is just simply a testimony time of how good God is, not so much a time of us having to doctor up all the, all the wounded saints. You know, sorry if this steps on your toes, but we'll, we'll, I'll explain some of that here in a minute. Now, Ask yourself this question. Where is the presence of God more beneficial? At church? Or at my workplace? We should all be, know who God is here at church, right? We should just be here to worship and have a good time together. Now, I'm not saying God shouldn't show up at church. But where is he going to be more beneficial? Where are more people who haven't encountered him before going to encounter him? At work. Unless you work here. You know, which, you know, we could probably use some of that too. Anyways, um... Or at my home, in your neighborhood? Where does the presence of God be more beneficial? Where are you going to see more impact from the presence of God? Here, in these four walls? Or are you going to see if you carry it out of here, and you take it to your neighborhood, and begin to bless people there with the presence of God in your life? Where, 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 should, we see, where should we seek more of the presence of God at? Or at the ball field? Praise the Lord, we know we could... I've seen some parents at the ball field. Um, you definitely use some Jesus at the ball field. So... Um, now, the answer to that question is where it's needed most. Now, if there's a great need here and a worship service because people have come in and, and God's drawn in by the Holy Spirit, then, then praise the Lord. We need, we need a manifestation here. We should see God move when we, when we gather in his name. But why, do we, why are we content with just having that here and not, not being so set on like Joshua was? He, when Moses left the tent, well, the leader's gone, so let, let's go. They shut the lights. No, Moses left. Joshua hung around. Joshua stayed. He didn't leave, and it didn't say just once. It said whenever Moses left, Joshua was going to hang out. He goes, the presence of God is here. I'm standing right here where he's at. Why? Because he knew when he left, he, was going to, he planned on taking it out to where, wherever he was going. Now, the glory, that, the glory that Joshua got a taste of on Mount Sinai was good, enough to, was good enough to make him hungry for it from that point on. We need to be those people, like Psalm, it says Psalm, in Psalms 34, 8, who taste and see that the Lord is good. Not just once, because if you really tasted and saw that he was good, you'd go back for more like me and mashed potatoes. I mean, that's just the way it is. I don't taste and see just one time or two times. And if there's any left, I'll go sit down on the couch with those and eat them during a football game. But the thing is, when, there, when there's something that you enjoy and something that you stepped, in, stepped into that you really relate, really, you're not going to stop going back. We're going to get to that place. We've got to be those who come to a place with the presence of God where we know we've experienced them in such a way that we refuse to stay away from that very long, that we refuse to leave the tent very long, that we stay in a place to where where we where we, um, where we get so engulfed with it that we um, we 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 contain it, we keep on going. Now, here's a theology check for you. If you're a believer, you don't need the glory of God. You already got it. Amen. I mean, I mean seriously. If you if you're a believer, all you've got to do is access the glory that God's replaced on the inside of you. If you are born again, if you're a blood bought believer, and the Spirit of God's on the inside of you, you don't need Him. You've got Him. I'm not saying you don't keep Him with you. I'm saying you shouldn't be saying, I need you, God, because God said, I'm right here, ask me what you need. We, we've got to get to we get to that place to where we're, 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 we we're stop seeking God because God says, Lord, I'm with you always. I'm right here in your midst. We're two or three gathered in my name. Here I am. Start asking ask where he's at and just acknowledge the fact that he's here. You know, if we're going to host him well, we've got to treat him like he's here. If we're going to host him well, we've got to make him want to be here. And I, he loves us. He always wants to be here. Don't go off the weird rabbit trail with me. But what? What, I, what, I'm, what, I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say is that does, does, God, does God feel welcome in your home? Does God feel welcome in your car? Does God feel welcome when you're looking at the computer? I mean, this is where really where the rubber meets the road. You know, does God feel welcome in, in your life in whatever situation you're in? And you should ask yourself, in, in any situation, is what I'm doing, how I'm acting, and how, am, how, am I, how am I, I'm conducting myself, does, am I making God feel welcome? Am I hosting his presence well? Because we know his presence isn't just limited to here at the church. We're New Testament people now. We need to get to that place where we where we carry him in such a way that um, that we, we, we have and we have such a such a um such a a, a cognizance and, and such a knowing that he's here with us that we're not going to do anything that, anything to, to hinder that presence or hinder that glory from being all it wants to be in our life. Now, Second <clears throat> Corinthians three seventeen eighteen. This is talking about that same situation with Moses. It says, "Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom." Amen. We all know that. But this is how. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God. And who? We all. You know, all is, um, you know, an all-encompassing word, right? Um, we all. And so who does that include? Everybody, you, me. Beholding the glory of God are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. Now, what does that say? If we're gonna make, if we if we take time to behold God, if we take time to be in His presence, if we take time to look at Him, to invite Him into our lives, that means He is gonna do the work of transforming us into His image. And so it's not a matter of does God go with me when I leave. It's like no, I've been spending time in His presence. I know He's with me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do what it takes to keep that presence in my life. So I'm gonna I'm gonna access that presence whenever I have the opportunity to. And that doesn't mean that you that you walk around with being being some flaky weird person saying oh Jesus all the time oh Jesus I know you no. That means that you have, a re- you have, a, you have that pray without ceasing mentality that you know all the time He's right here within a, within a whisper of you, and that anytime you need to access the glory, anytime you need to access His power in your life, it's right here so you can pour it into somebody else that's around you. When somebody asks you to pray for Him at work and you, and you go, uh, Well, I'll be praying for you, pat Him on the back and walk away. No, and, 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 and when we act like it's some big deal, if somebody asks you to pray for Him, all you got to do is walk and say, All right, well, be healed in Jesus' name and walk away. You know, the woman with the issue of blood didn't have to say anything, she just wanted to touch Jesus, and it went out of her. It's a matter of how willing are we to carry the presence of God with us, and are we going to do what it takes to keep him with us at all times and be, and be the and be that access that people need to get into his presence. Now, like I just said, if you're a believer, you need to do whatever it takes to make sure that the glory and presence of God continue to manifest in your life. So we should come into a worship service carrying the glory of God, not expecting him just to show up because it's convenient for us. Now, <clears throat> here's some more. Here's some more um, so keep your toes curled up. The church should be about rescuing the lost as much as about being a hospital for the saints. The problem is, we're too, busy, we're too busy licking our own wounds here that we don't ever get out there and do what God's called us to do. When we get in the place where there's a pre- manifest of the presence of God, it's not a matter of if we're going to be healed, we walk out whole. Why? Because we have beheld the presence of God. You cannot, you cannot walk in the presence of God, like I said earlier, and things that aren't of Him stay on you. But you, it, it gets, you've got to get past being a spectator and get to where you actually enter into the presence of God and, and experience, experience Him and experience Him in that way. Now, but because we don't look for him to move in us, except when, when we're at church, we cease to be the church of the world around us. We're, just, we're, we're we, Honestly, we, we, as, we, as, we as believers, we as, we as the church, church by and large around the world are content with, with experiencing God for a little bit on a Sunday morning, and then hope we can suck it up and get by until, until, until Wednesday, get another little sprinkle, and then we come back in again on Sunday morning and, um, and hope there's a good word on Sunday morning because I really need it because I had a rough week. Now, if 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 the glory of God is encompassing you, if the glory of God is covering you, then that rough week just kind of rolls off and the glory of God strengthens you again. Now, I'm not saying I've perfected this. I'm working on it. But um, praise God, I'm going to get there. Now, here's what being a faithful Christian really boils down to. It means being a faithful steward of his presence seven days a week. we, we We make this thing so hard. We make Christianity about a bunch of do's and don'ts when it's really about hosting the presence of God well in your life. That's really all it is. The reason why the Holy Spirit tore the, the reason why God tore the veil, the reason why the Holy Spirit came rushing out to be with us is because He wanted to be with us seven days a week. He wanted to be with us all the time. He wasn't content with us just being limited in our, in our, in our, in our ability to access Him. But are we as believers really can? Are we, are we going to get past the point of being content with experiencing God on a Sunday morning, with experiencing God on a Wednesday evening, with experiencing God whenever um we happen to flip through the channel and we, we stop at at, at at a good preaching program and uh we get a little get a little a little spiritual sprinkle. You get a warm fuzzy feeling before we go to sleep at night. No, are, we really, are we really getting to the place where we host the presence of God in our life and, and he feels invited and feels welcome to move in us and knows that we'll obey whenever he speaks? That's where we've got to get to. Now, as we learned a, a few months ago in, in the Abide series, what we manage well, we're given authority over. So let, let's, let's um, look at this right here. It's so 34 verses 1 through 3. The Lord said to Moses, cut, your, cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I'll write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets. Which you broke, he had to throw that in there. You broke him. Now, um, be be ready by morning, and come up to me in the morning um, to Mount Sinai, and present yourself there to me on top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you. Ah, interesting. And let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds gaze upon gaze graze opposite the mountain. So, did the fact that Joshua was not allowed up the mountain return allowed to return up the mountain with Moses, was that a sign of God's disapproval? No, it was not here's what he's saying is, all right, I know what happened last time I took both of y'all up the mountain. I need one of y'all to stay back and make sure the people don't jack around again and build another calf. So, because Joshua showed himself faithful, God gave him authority over the whole nation. Because God showed himself faithful, now, Joshua could look at it like, well, I want to go up there where the fire is. No, God's like, no, I need somebody with some fire to stay down there and keep these people in line. Now, Sometimes, when certain doors open and certain doors close, you can't look at it as God being good to you or not good to you. It's simply God may, may be saying, I need you to stay where you're at right now. Or God may be saying, okay, I'm going to open this door go this way. But we can't re- think of it as God not being, appro- not being approving of us. We've got to think about it as God needs us where we're at. Or God needs us to be here. God needs us to be there. See, God, Joshua not going up the mountain was not for the purpose of Joshua not being blessed. It was the purpose of God saw, God saw the responsibility and God saw the faithfulness in his life so God could put him over some things to take care of so Moses could bring back a word for the people. So whatever position God's got, God's got you in, don't look at it as you're being held back or being pushed forward so much as the fact that God has got you where he needs you at the point because he's got, he's got people he wants you to bless and he's got people he wants you to take care of. So when we, get to the, when we get to the place, now, when Moses returned, everything was in order, everything was nice. You know, they hadn't built another calf, and they were, the people were ready to receive a word that God gave Moses on the mountain. Now, unlike the last time where they weren't ready because they had already broken the commandments before God, Moses even got him on the mountain. Now, in your in your life, what what do you, what do you feel the glory of God resting upon you to do? Do you feel the glory of God in your life? Do you feel do you feel like you're in a place? And worst team, y'all can go ahead and, y'all can go ahead and come on up for a couple minutes. Do you do you do you see yourself in a place maybe right now to where, where you're not being allowed at the mountain, or maybe you see yourself in a place to where to where. Um, the, the glory of God just doesn't manifest in your life the way it should, and maybe you've had that mindset that well. I just I just I just can't I just don't have the glory. Well, and and you got that mindset that you gotta we gotta go seek the glory of God. No, seek seek within because that's where the glory is at. And when you when you feel like it's weighing in your life, do like the Bible says in Second Corinthians, chapter three. Start, start beholding him. Start worshiping him. Start putting yourself in a place where, you, where you're looking at him, and you can begin to let that glory begin to infiltrate your life again. It's, it's, not, it's not so much a matter of, of God trying to hold you back. It's not a, it's not a matter of God's got something, got something that, that you're not ready for yet. No, God, is, God, has got you, God has got you in a place where he wants to place his glory upon you, and when he places his glory upon you, use, use it effectively wherever you're at and watch, watch what God does with you and, and where he brings you to. It's not a matter of the CEO janitor thing. It's a matter of Wherever you're at in life, whatever lot you're in, wherever, whatever position you're in, whether you're the CEO or the janitor, host the glory of God well, and God will promote you. Now, if you're the janitor, he may promote you the CEO. Or he may just make you this stinking best janitor you've ever been, and you'll love it with everything you got because you're reaching people that no one else can reach. Or you may be the CEO, and God may say, I'm going to give you more companies. Or he may say, you know what, you're CEO, but you're hosting my glory well, so why don't you set all that aside and go over here and um, be a missionary in this land over here. But when, it, when, it's a, when it's a matter of you wanting to host the glory of God well, it doesn't matter what he tells you to do, as long as you, cause you don't want that glory to leave. Because you want to stay right in the, where the presence of God is. Just like Joshua, you're not, you're not going to leave the tent. No matter what position you're in, no matter what, what your title is, no matter what you're called, God is going to put you in a place where, where if you will host his glory well, he'll bless you and promote you. So if you all would stay with me tonight,